Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. The film board gathers. The gang of thugs is here to take on a movie currently in theaters. And this month, we're following Joaquin Phoenix into a journey of sexual awakening and the longest punchline to every your mom joke ever made. Bo is afraid. I am so sorry for what your daddy passed down to you. But I wanted a child. 
Welcome, everybody, to the film board. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm joined this week by two men for whom I have to imagine the struggle to steal stars from every other movie review to jam them into this movie's coffers is simply insurmountable. <laughs> it's Justin Yeager and Tommy Metz. Hello, boys. Hello. Thank you for having us. A couple of quotes, because I, you know, as you do, you listen to reviews and you you think, um, you know, you, you want to hear how the filmmakers feel about their own movies. So I would just give you a, a set of quotes. These are from Ari. No. These are from Ari. You say filmmaker. Okay, yep. great. Yep. I want to hear this. A paranoid man embarks on an epic odyssey to get home to his mother. That's the log line. Ari says, if you pumped a 10-year-old full of Zoloft and made him fetch your groceries, that's this movie. <laughs> or... It's like a Jewish Lord of the Rings, except he's just going to his mom's house. Or <laughs> I want to put you in the experience of being a loser. Or oh. after Midsommar, I had enough goodwill to light it on fire. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. That's the money right shot. There. You guys, yep. this movie is, uh, they get, uh, A24 gave him... $35 million to make this movie. And I think as of this is his second wow. weekend, I think it's barely crested $5 million. I think right. there are so as you as you prepare your opening thoughts, I would very much like to hear your thoughts on how this movie got made, uh, because mm. it feels like a movie that, by all rights, given today's movie market, should not exist. I feel like we're going through a real renaissance of that, which means it's all going to be crashing down. But like Damien Chazelle just cashed in all of his chips with Babylon. Bo is afraid mm -hmm. just cashed. Are yeah, just catching right. his chips for, and they're all like extremely long, and they're all doing. I mean, it's very interesting. I love. It seems like old timey Hollywood. All we hear is about how everyone's pinching pennies and won't do anything, and it's all IP and all of this stuff. And then, yeah, they do the exact opposite and spend a whole bunch of money on it. So yeah. I'm more than anything, I'm glad this movie exists, and I had a pretty good amount of fun once I decided I'm not going to be able to figure this out. <laughs> I want to hear when that yeah. was. Yeah, right. right. That's that's really awesome because I think I still haven't reached that point. And my brain is still like still trying feverishly to... trying to go like, wait a minute, but what about right. <laughs> the thing that I <laughs> held on to journey. from the beginning was what if you just made a list of everything that you're nervous about? Yeah. Put it in mm. a line and then constructed a story around it with mommy issues because it's everything from being blamed for things that you're not doing to spiders yeah. oh, to gun yes. anxiety to streets and cars. I mean, everything. It's everything mm -hmm. in this movie. PTSD. So it's just fascinating. Talking about how it got made, I read somewhere that he and this I think that you're going to get into this a little bit, Pete, but the idea that he had this 
a script or a concept about this before even Midsummer and yeah, 2011 um, and Hereditary. Yeah. So it's interesting to think of it because after I saw it, I was thinking like, oh, I see some of the symbolism that he used in those movies cropping up here. So maybe it's like, oh, these are his favorite things or these are the things that give him the most anxiety to go with what Tommy said. And, and, and he wants to sort of paint them out, right? This is the thing. And so he's still working on that. But then reading that this existed before, this is kind of a foundation for his art as he goes there. And I agree with Tommy 100% that I want these movies to be made. Um, so I'm glad that these kind of cashing in chips are happening. Um, that being said, I it's a mess in my head. Like it's a, <laughs> I, I don't even know. I want to talk about all of it to extreme levels, even though I didn't enjoy like any of it. Really? Like, really? Any oh of man, it. that surprises yeah. me a lot. Well, well, and so I want to compare it to other, you know, and, and in, in the mind bender sort of way, right. These are, these are my favorite kind of movies, but I didn't have anything tangible to hook onto. Like I couldn't go, wait, is this, this, is this X, is this Y? I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And my brain is still trying to do that. Like yeah. I said with Tommy here, I compare it most in terms of something that we've done here on the film board. I compare it most to I'm thinking of ending things, which mm -hmm. I think like, yeah, in a way, I got to a point very artistically where I was like, oh, this is good for me here. And I can't do that with this movie. So as much as I love and we even when Tommy and I did the Mindbender episode, like we struggled to call it a genre. Like I, this is the type of movie that I like the most, but it just never it never got to the place that I needed it to get to. And that was something that was mm. that was tough for me with this movie. So so, yeah. So in my initial thoughts, I, I mean, I'm glad it got made. I'm glad they're letting him cash in his chips. I hope he gets to do another one. People coming out of the theater with me were like, this is why you don't let directors do whatever they want to do. <laughs> I mean, it was like, <laughs> I mean, everybody was just utterly disappointed walking out of the theater that I was in. But I, I, I want to see more. It's great art. Yeah. It's great art. It's 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 profound art. It's just not that good. I that is that's so interesting to me, JJ. I I really wonder. I think I want to put my chips on ten years from now. JJ is going to fall in love with this movie. Huh. That, very possibly. Uh, very possibly. I I for me, uh, I, I'm I think I'm on in the camp with Tom. Like once I realized, just let it go. Uh, I I was able to to kind of track that movie and stop looking at my watch because this is, this is starting to become a metaphor for my life. Yeah, but I just want right. to say, just let it go. But anyway, <laughs> right. keep going. Well, because the first hour and some odd right is to me like that was. Uh, I, I thought this movie, my whole conception of this movie was going to be: here's a guy who lives with persistent anxiety and paranoia, and this is the world that he sees, which is absurdly violent and assaulting and that his journey was going to be like, how do I like, do I get control of that? How do I come to terms with that? Is the pharmaceutical industrial complex going to help me or, or be a curse to me from that? Like his level of fear really got to me. And I, that first hour I was looking at my watch every five minutes. What do you mean looking and at your watch to represent what? That you were bored? When is it going no, to be over? When is it going to be over? Like how time oh. is passing so slowly because I am being assaulted. I I'm see. so uncomfortable with what I'm seeing. Wow. Yeah. And 
then I, I sort of let go of that and realized, okay, this is a this is a three hour movie. And if I'm looking at my watch every five minutes, it's going to seem like a 12 hour movie. I just need to get on the <laughs> on the ride. And I'm not going to lie to you. I fell in love with it. Mm, I, I wow. think I really fell in love with it. And I think it's because. You'd you'd written something in the in the notes, JJ, and I I I, I want to talk about that because for me this I think this movie represents uh, kind of the stuff I love about Ari Aster, and I I should say after Midsommar, I uh, Ari Aster became like number one on the filmmakers. I hate myself a little bit for loving. I have seen just about everything he's done. I haven't seen uh, his short uh, Eddington and acting class with Ari Aster, but I've seen everything else. Tino's Dick Fart, seen it. Um, the Turtle's Head, seen it. Something, uh, uh, the strange thing about the Johnsons. Oof. Wow. Hate it. Hate yeah. it. Hate strange it. Thing it was about the terrible. Johnsons is weird. <laughs> It's very weird, but I have also seen this movie, Bo, which was his short in 2011. Mm. And uh, mm. have either of you seen this one in no, particular? No, no, okay. Brian has. Um, I've only seen the two big ones. Yeah. So okay. Um, and it took me that long this this long, meaning 47 years of life, to get here. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Well, Put on your kid gloves with me. Here. Bo is uh, it, it? It is another sort of uh, uh, mother story, kind of. Uh, we mm -hmm. have a guy who's extremely uh, paranoid, and it's essentially the first bit of this movie where he's going to see his mother, and he leaves his key in the door and his luggage, and he goes upstairs to grab his dental floss, and he comes back, and the keys are gone. But that's where things start to go sideways because he turns around and sees a tail going into the shadows out his back door uh, backsliding door and he freaks out and he builds this um this like knife spring-loaded knife machine and he puts it in front of the door because he thinks somebody's going to come in and get him and then it turns out somebody comes in from the door behind him another hooligan and he stabs him and kills him but then it cuts to mother uh we we see mother's hands and mother is actually a furry monster that is stealing keys and he has a name for that monster, like the name of of the monster but it it really is uh because Bo the character had used a Ouija board and conjured this monster who comes and comes and steals keys and you see the monster's workbench is covered with keys and so mom is literally a monster and the metaphor of mom the monster actually plays and she is the thing that's preventing you from making steps in your life and moving out and going out into the world because she keeps stealing your keys. And there's there is like huh. there are layers to it. Right. So this movie comes from that. If you can so find it, you should see it because it's kind of crazy, right, that this movie has those kinds of genes. And the first few minutes of this movie are a are both. The, the thing I want to come back to about why why this movie represents good stuff to me, and I'm so curious your thoughts, and then I swear I'll shut up. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it goes with the big three, right? Hereditary, Midsommar, and Boas of Bright. I did not like Hereditary because I liked mm. the very first, you know, however long it is, and then the last five minutes. I felt like the last five minutes, it went from this beautiful, like, subtextual journey of paranormal, uh, you know, experience and all of the craziness that's going on with Hereditary to a literal explanation of demons. And I hated that. I thought that was like a turn mm. at the end that so undermined the rest of the message of that movie. And I have really bad taste in my mouth. Midsommar uh, starts 
very literally, she's dealing with grief and and suicide and and uh, all of that and goes subtextual. And I'm big thumbs up on that. I really liked it at the end. It's like, oh, my God, like she's like we, we transition into the world of metaphor so beautifully. And I mm. love it. This movie is all subtext all the time. And if you try to figure it out, I think it'll break your face. Like, I think it's yeah. impossible to get there from here. So now I'll, I'll shut up. And I'm curious, JJ, if you want to take on your, uh, your interpretation of what this movie and why that's uh, hard for you. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I feel like I have a broken face. I mean, the, <laughs> the, 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 the thing that's difficult is that all the reviews, everything that I'm reading about the film is really sort of judging it on this sort of realness right of it the sort of the sort of actual story that we get presented with and i think it's literally impossible for the entire story to be actual and for you to actually i, I was going to say judge for you to for you to interpret the art that's seen on screen for bo is afraid and say that uh, that the whole thing is actual is really confusing you need some sort of artistic leap or creative leap to do it and that's why i like more your idea here that you're saying pete that it's all subtextual and that you don't need to actually get any sort of story but then where do we go with that and that's where i get confused because the narrative journey or trying to figure out what is the subtext or what the message is or what and and forget all that about what the message should be but what's the message for me here and i can't get there with this movie it feels like a wash of confusion and if it is a wash of anxiety or a wash of fear those things all make sense but then where do i understand you know the, the way that i approach so many movies that we talk about is from the writer's perspective or trying to understand what was in their mind and when you describe bo as the short that seems to feel more connected where this all of a sudden just spreads wildly and goes completely out of control in a way that if it is just a showcase of anxiety then it doesn't it, it actually doesn't work for me mm. in the way that i want it to be in terms of a mind bender so um yeah i think your point about me maybe falling in love with it in six years or something is is really well taken i just am not there yet i found it to be and it you know i don't think i'm coming up with anything profound here but i thought it was a test it's one man's journey it's a test that his entire life has been lorded over by his pharmaceutical mother uh she has incorporated him in all advertising in every single thing and she starts with just this one sort of thing and then she's getting into what looks like psychotropic drugs like all sorts of stuff from zit cream to that and then it's hinted that she can see him at all times because there's that picture from inside of his. Yeah, because apartment. she also her her company also runs a security. Also company, runs a security, right? and so it seems like, for me, the thing, and it doesn't necessarily um, go all together. Like I haven't been able to figure it all out, but it's his final test to sort of live a life that is of his own. And do things that does mm -hmm. not involve his mother or his fear about his mother to get out of the horrific fear that she put on him, that she really sort of made him into the person he is. And he is tested throughout and he is judged throughout. He's judged by the therapist who just writes the word guilty. <laughs> not I feel guilty, just <laughs> guilty. What's her name? Uh, Amy Ryan tells her whispers to stop incriminating himself. It's almost like he's being judged by either us, the audience, or by whoever is in the trial at the end. It's like he's being judged by life, and he is unable yeah. to do it. 
he fails in his mission. And that's why he is, uh, I think, judged very harshly at the very end. So is the test. I, OK, so I'm going to go with you on that because I want to get into that. So is the test real or imagined? Is the test something within his brain or is it a Truman show? I mean, this is it's this kind of thing of like you bring up the therapist writing guilty. But is the therapist part of the show? Is the therapist part of the test? Is this is where I start to get really loose in my understanding of it in that another movie that you guys talked about on the next reel was the game Mm -hmm. and the game this kind of thing of when you go into the game and then everybody is not real or interacting with you in a real way then at what point do you say the game is not a game anymore it's over you know why do you start believing anything versus everything being part of the game what makes it so fascinating for me and so difficult it's such a double-edged sword is it is put through the prism of his psyche and his psyche is one of incredible habition what's the opposite of inhibition habition (laughs) (laughs) of anxiety of i mean parts of this movie feel like a panic attack and so everything Mm. is heightened i think that no i don't think that his therapist is really in on it i think that he's sort of bringing that in a very uncomfortable way that when i see my therapist write something down yeah sometimes the worst part of me is saying like boring or guilty (laughs) or something like that like i'm being judged all the time and so when he's running across the street yeah i don't really believe that there are corpses in the street but it feels like that it feels like that to him and it's i'm not saying that that's a very satisfying altogether watch but i think he just you bring this entire idea of judgment and anxiety and fear and then put it through like strain it through someone who's always in the middle of that and that's sort of it's like it's a movie to use a phrase that i've used before i can't remember what it was but it's kind of like a tone poem at times it's Mm -hmm. so surrealistic it's getting towards it's much more literal in a way than um david lynch but it has the same kind of feeling of like i'll do whatever i can to get you to feel this way in this certain mm-hmm. moment and why is that man up on his ceiling why is why does it seem like i mean there's a possibility he drowns in that scene drowning comes back over and over and mm-hmm. over again throughout water is the biggest thing so there's a lot of different ways to go about it i there there's so much of it like as as i'm watching it i realize this is kind of a a, a literal uh interpretation of the stages of grief right like like we watch him as they build his his backstory right through and we as you say tommy this is all of his all of the advertising that she put him on like i kept uh, the, my first note when i walked out of the theater was which came first the stock photo or the person who appears in it like it right. is it's such a, a weird like looping reality that he gets to be a part of and that creates a person of trauma like the bow that we meet in his apartment is a person existing in in trauma and 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 so we get to watch him go through the denial and the anger and the you know what are the other ones bargaining depression dabda um, acceptance yeah dabda and and so he he finally acceptance is the last look on his face before the boat implodes right? right like to me his look is finally okay i'm sitting in judgment cuz richard kind is here and <laughs> i'm and he gets sucked down and but that last look on his face, I think Joaquin Phoenix is one of the most like beautifully detail oriented actors. Mm. 
And he is his communication for me was, okay, I'm finished. I'm accepting this journey has been hard. And if we take it figuratively, yes, he's in the boat of, of you know, water and he joins the, I, I don't know, joins the great consciousness uh, that is the fluidity of reality. But actually in his real life, mm. maybe he found a way to leave his apartment without having to run across the street to get water. Maybe he found a way to have a relationship without feeling like just the act of climax is going to kill this one party in the engagement, right? Like maybe mm. he's able to conquer those things as a result of this weird head trip that he goes through. And, and I think to me, there's something kind of beautiful about that. Yeah, I mean, but it, 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 yes, I agree with you. If I could get there, I would be there with you. But this concept of what is real and what is not is something that's holding me to this sort of mm -hmm. point of confusion. Mm -hmm. I mean, that idea of let's take the acceptance as the, the simple resolution to the journey of beating fear, beating anxiety, get, to use what you said, getting out of the house. It, if that's it, then when was... It, it, I keep saying when, but maybe nothing was real. Who is the character and what is the feeling mm -hmm. is all subjective based on what you bring to it. And I, I, I can't, I can't find anything going back to like hang my coat on to say, okay, this is where we are. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I don't disagree. Even the, the meal that he heats up. Did you see what it was? It was Oloha. No. It's the best of Hawaii yes. and Ireland, which is in <laughs> yeah. Spain. So even that, and I think that that's just sort of like maybe like just sort of a fun joke because so much of the jokes right. are textual in this movie. Mm -hmm. But even that, like there's very little to, yeah. But I think that's kind of the point. And I'm not saying that that is, makes it easier for you. It's just the idea of that it just, that's the wash. Of, it's yeah. all alien. It's all crazy. And it's like such a list of my fears all in a row. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, it's like Inception. And I, you know, here, here we are on this movie and I'm going to spoil a different movie. I, I was <laughs> relieved uh, because of just how I interpreted Inception when uh, Michael Caine came out and said, I did not understand this movie at all. Right. And I asked Chris, I said, what is what's going on? And he said, you, you really want to know, like, you really like you don't want your read on it. Yes, I really want to know what is going on. And, and he he tells him that, you know, anytime you're in the scene, that's in real life. Right. Michael Caine, anytime you're in, in the scene, that's in real life. And that to me was really nice to hear because I for Me some too. for some reason there's something really satisfying for that movie knowing that there's a key and now I can unlock that movie in a different way because I I'm closer to the artist's interpretation of what of how it was written and this movie I found like I wonder is there a key that Astor is ever going to to uh, allow us to apply to this movie my hunch is listening to boatloads of interviews from this guy He's never going to give us that, right? He's, right? he's not going to give us that. And when he's asked directly, what do you think about people who tell you, who ask, say, well, this is all like, he's really working out some issues. This is, this is really Ari Aster's like love letter to his mom. And his response <laughs> is, yeah, 
I guess I'm really begging for it, given the kinds of movies I make. That's it. Full stop. Like, yeah, this is this is this is who he is as a filmmaker. And so for me, I am I obviously only seen it once. I saw it yesterday night. It is so fresh. And I it, but but it is a movie that I walked out of saying, OK, maybe if I don't try to interpret it, if I assume that everything is in his head from the from the first time we meet him after birth. Literally, this movie opens on birth from the POV right. of the birthed. Maybe I, I can understand who he's who this guy is a little bit better because I've had flights of fancy like that myself. And um, so like that, the whole animated sequence, can we t- did that? Did that have any sway over you? His animated sort of fable journey? That's when I kept trying to make it into like a Greek mythology. Like I kept bouncing back and forth between the Odyssey and Joseph Campbell, and it didn't really fit in a lot of those things. But that was sort of the clearest part, yeah, of it. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, visually, I mean, it makes sense that it is beautiful. It doesn't, it's it doesn't fit with anything else that I'm trying to reconcile <laughs> in the story. Mm-hmm. This sort yeah. of you know snake eating its tail of what's happening in the mind of a person imagining and i'm not even going to talk about Bo in this case but in the in the case of ari aster imagining a character watching a play of a something that ends up to be about the character while on the hero's journey it gets lost for me it reminds me also of another movie that we did on trailer rewind called the congress which is really interesting (laughs) about that um, it, 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 it shows IP and uh, I'm forgetting her name now. Um, uh, princess bride. Yeah. Um, she, wasn't she married to Sean Penn for a while? Yes. Gibbons? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and uh, house of cards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to look her up now so that we can talk about this, but it starts off. The whole idea of the film is that, um, is that uh, that she is not going to be a popular actress anymore. It starts off in this sort of really real Robin Wright, Robin yeah. Wright Penn is who we're talking about. And uh, it, and that she, that. her agent comes to her with a sort of indecent proposal of, we're going to sell the concept of you to the studios so that they can use you in anything in perpetuity going forward. This will be the last deal that you ever make in your life. And it kind of goes then, she does sell this so that she can take care of her sick son and this thing. And then she ends up going into this cartoon world that is created of all people that have bought these other hmm. other ideas, the concepts of actors and the concept of uh, – and it's very odd and very confusing. And she's trying to find her way out of this life that she's led for herself. It's Robin Wright playing Robin Wright with the concept of this – character of who she is versus who she really is and it reminds me a lot of that in that all of a sudden this part this play that Bo or Ari or whomever is recognizing themselves in what is that and how is that part of how we experience this I don't even call it a story I like the tone poem I like the wash idea how do what is it how we experience what we're seeing in any art. Could he be seeing an example of a successful life? It is 
jobish in that mm-hmm. he sort of loses everything mm-hmm. towards the end, but he really goes out for it and he travels and he finds people and he has sons, even though, as Brian is pointing out, he can't even have sons because he's not allowed to have sex. All right. of these things. And he wakes up from that while he's experiencing right. it, right? Yeah. Because. They question him, and and I say wake up because it's like a dream where it's like, oh, wait a second. Right. This is not the way I live my life, so how could this be possible? Right. I mean, it's these contradictions that we experience in dream all the time. Mm-hmm. But could it be – could that just be the idea of him being the opposite of him, him who is free? It's the opposite of someone who's terrified to go across the street to get a thing of water. Yeah. Instead, he travels for thousands of miles and talks to people with no faces and really leads a full life and gets knocked down and gets back up again, Chobawamba style. Um, so it's a subtle delusion of grandeur for an agoraphobiac? Well, yeah. maybe a delusion of grandeur or if we want to go with this super weird, I don't, I'm chasing it like a hound judgment idea, he's being shown the answer. This is what you could do. You still have room to do this. And he mm. is not able to do it. Even when he's that he gets hung up on the details. If like waking up from a dream, wait, you can't even do that. That's so not the point of what that thing is. It's supposed to be the journey. And instead he just gets hooked up. I don't know. It's it's a it way kind to of is, idea. though, Tom. Like it kind of is. Like this movie is Albert Brooks in defending your life. So, if they told you what was going on right. and it wasn't very funny the entire time. <laughs> and I love defending right. your life. Yeah. I know. I love. That's right. That's yeah, it's it. defending your life with no rip torn. Yeah, <laughs> he's just walking. Right. Around. Richard Kind. Richard Kind is playing rip torn. Right. Yeah. So, I right. um, there there is a lot like like there's a lot to that. Like it part of it feels like Ari Aster saw defending your life and was like, what if it was like my take on it? And this is what we yeah. get. Right. Like, what if it was my life? Yeah. And I'm not funny. I'm just really, <laughs> and yet, I'm just really horrific. I, I'm curious your take on that, particularly, JJ, because I, I laughed at this movie much more than I expected to laugh. Mm-hmm. I actually did, too. And I think it, it, I, I I did find parts of it funny. I don't think I found the same parts funny that you did <laughs> in terms of what we've talked about <laughs> sort of leading up to it. Some of the horrific things I found were just kind of plain horrific. Like, what the heck is that? But that being said, I did end up laughing a lot. And I think it I was prepped for that a little bit in that I read a lot of the run up from Ari Aster saying that he envisioned this as a comedy. Mm-hmm. So I let myself get there mm. in ways too. But a lot of the horrific stuff, I just, it was too much for me. Uh, Tom, you thought it was a, a real laugh a minute? I thought a lot <laughs> of it was really funny. Brian is bringing up um, like the shoe and the computer monitor, the yes. insane yeah. uh, side effect of if you don't have a certain amount of water right after you take a pill, you'll yes, die. You die. I mean, everything is just dialed up to 10, which is really fascinating and that's what anxiety feels like that's what anxiety feels like that's what part of that's the prism that i found alarming and alarmingly recognizable (laughs) at times (laughs) sure yeah uh okay i i think it's hard to talk beat by beat about this movie but we can talk about some performances in the movie that Hmm. stand out and uh obviously like we got to start a little bit with joaquin phoenix um i i i'm I do love the guy. And I this movie, I can't believe I'm saying this aloud because I did not have a good experience with it the first time around. But this movie made me want to watch Joker again. Mm. Where'd you stand on Joaquin? 
I think he was great. I, I, I loved what he did in this movie. I have not seen Joker. I still am anti-Joker, even though I understand why it's a special movie and what everyone says about it. But I'm, I have a protest against Joker because of the way that the IP is being used. That, that, is, that is a central problem that I have, too. So Yeah. So, um, so Ocean, I don't think I will be able to. Ocean, too. Ocean hates it because they no. give him a backstory. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. And I, I mean, that's that's a great sort of criticism of the idea of what villains and all these things. I, I don't know that that's important to me mm -hmm. as important to me as the idea of the I now have six jokers and they interweave through one universe right. that I and I, I'm yeah. exaggerating the number. But so the point being is I haven't seen Joker, but I liked Joaquin Phoenix here. I think it's interesting that he's kind of uh, from what I objectively think is that uh, he is kind of doing the same kind of things in films that he's playing this. I mean, as Ari said, this loser, I mean, we think way back to her too, right? Like that was maybe the, 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 the first step down the path for, for what his personal character is going to go into, into his films. I don't know. I like him too. I think he did a great job here. Um, I will watch him in all different kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. Well, forward. and because he says yes to different kinds of stuff, that's mm -hmm. the thing that I like his, we're, we're getting the Joaquin Phoenix, like, performance but in wildly different things and and i think that's interesting mm -hmm. to me i think he makes really interesting choices and he's a super cerebral actor i think this movie highlights one of the behaviors that i find actually really frustrating which is somebody's talking to you on the phone and you're holding the phone to your ear but you're in such a state of shock or something that you don't speak for feels like minutes at a time and Long that time. becomes interminable for me in this movie as much as i do like so much of it there are some of those little behavior things that i think man you could have cut 45 minutes out of this movie by just <laughs> letting people talk on the damn phone so uh anyway uh tom you have anything i loved him i okay. loved him and it was i mean there's not a ton of movie or maybe there are but like this he's in every single scene nothing exists yes. really without him without that's him. rare and then the mastery it takes to be able to i mean he does become annoying sometimes but i think it's on purpose mm -hmm. the way to measure where to be when throughout this movie when there's so many subtle levels of freaking out that it could have been so easily one note incredibly mm -hmm. i mean i just can't imagine the amount of planning to go into this uh, um, if, if he's the kind of actor that does that yeah for sure uh we should talk just briefly about his testicles don't you, don't, <laughs> about, don't you think <laughs> because because wait. they become such a storyline um so he uh we're introduced I think we're introduced to his testicles the first time he's in his boxers in his apartment and you can see them through his boxer shorts. And I'm sitting there with a friend watching oh. this movie and he says, I think we can see his testicles there shaped in his boxer shorts. And I said, no, that's not right. And then uh, later, Nathan Lane, uh, uh, he's at Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan's house. Uh, and it, the, he, Nathan Lane plays a surgeon who puts it back together after this stabbing event oh, right. and says, your testicles are massively distended. Like you should, we should probably think about doing something about that. And it becomes an ongoing thing until finally he gets to have sex with Parker Posey and we, we see his testicles and then he goes up into the attic and we see the giant manifestation of this huge penis with a big mouth and face. And it's a monster penis with like human sized testicles. And this manifestation of his rage 
played by Soldier, who can't get over his trauma, is stabbing at his testicles and and that whole metaphor of kind of coming, <laughs> being able to come clean uh, with your relationship with just with sex point of order of your mother. not human sized testicles testicles the size of humans yes that, okay. that is an absolutely <laughs> just, that, that is a yeah. really <laughs> a, a critical note jj i appreciate that the court is stands um so uh that that becomes a lot of this character's sort of weird uh motivation is the fact that he he had made a promise on the back of a picture that he didn't even write uh which was i'll wait for you to this young girl elaine and he finally right. gets to have sex with her in the form of parker posey and and um uh and and there you go the death of parker <laughs> posey <laughs> did that surprise anybody yeah yeah very much so oh, good okay 100 <laughs> percent. okay yeah. found it found it a little scary yeah um but that's the point about the thing, too, of that. it That's one of the many things, probably the 15 or 20 things that I can't really put my finger on of why it these can't be it can't be a, a textual narrative. Right. This is something that's impossible. A hundred percent. So that's why it's imagined, not real. Well, it's also playing with the 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 horror trope, right, of the the virginal fantasy of the first sexual experience. And uh, it turns out it, it does kill somebody because sex and death are inseparable in film. And this this is it, it, sort of the the manifestation of it. It, in a, a really kind of graphic way. And, you know, the, what we're told in the story building up to it is that it's it's the men who die in his family line when they have sex. And in our final experiment here with it, he survives, but uh, his partner dies and dies just frozen and falls off the bed in like extreme rigor mortis uh, that sets on quite quickly. Uh, and that does become just another layer of the fantasy reveal when mom comes into the picture, she's not dead. Like it's, it is a whole thing. Um, uh, it, it actually, that's, that's the last 45 minutes of the movie is your mother is watching you have sex and you killed the woman. <laughs> and I told you that this was going to happen. Something horrible was going to happen and you didn't listen. Finger wag, finger wag. And, um, and, and, you know, that plays out. I don't know. What's what's worse than death for someone who's riddled with anxiety? The fact that they become a murderer and have to deal with the fact that they killed someone for the rest of whatever amount of le is left of their yeah. life. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of layers to that particular uh, relationship. And I'm so many of those right. little details that are hard to kind of uh, uh, parse for me, right? Uh, Patty Lapone plays uh, Mona Wasserman, the CEO of this massive company and correct me on this little note did you catch the logo at the beginning mm -hmm. of the movie it's her company that was an mw logo right yeah. so her company mm -hmm. made the movie talk about jj like being inside of this universe it, that is like the yeah. first signal that we're inside a complete uh manifestation she owns the town she too, owns with the, town, the film everything yeah um so that final explosion when you realize that she staged her own death and that she staged her death in, almost in order to make a point to her son. Is that how you read it? Why did she do that? Didn't she explain it? Because it was the reveal about the the uh, birthmark mm -hmm. with uh, talking about some woman that we had never, I don't think, ever met before, except yeah, real right. quick. So I found that yeah. very confusing. Yes. 
He wanted to prove yeah. that he didn't care enough. That he about didn't it. care enough about her. Again, That's going to those was. such okay. extraordinary comic links to to actually prove because, the point about their mother son relationship. Because she has the Truman Show and she mm-hmm. has the game in play, that the entire hero journey That's that right. we follow is going to be observed by her as he has to experience right. her death, yeah. so that she can use it as evidence in the trial that we see with Richard Kind at yeah. the end. That all of those pieces of the puzzle of yes you didn't really care about me and here are the examples where and he tries to argue so that, that his was... lawyer is too far away it is too <laughs> insignificant to be right. able to argue his and case clearly did you see not mike <laughs> in that picture of her made up of all of the different employees it sounds like did you see nathan yes. lane in there oh no nathan i didn't was at the top cuz a lot of the people seem to be like the people that invaded his house that were in the streets stuff nathan yeah. lane is in the yeah. top right of it so like again was amy the, ryan did you see amy I didn't ryan see she, she must she, she must probably but uh yeah, yeah. it wouldn't so surprise if Andrew, me if kylie rogers was in there too the daughter right right and that somehow. gets in uh again to the trial to the twilight zone to the truman show slash stop incriminating yourself stop incriminating right. yourself if every yeah yeah interesting interesting if so so again jumping out sort of to take this objective view if everyone is working for her if if then we look at this as a textual story if everyone is that then what is the purpose what is Bo's purpose i mean in the truman show we get that everyone is working for for the the film and we have the outside so many different inferences of outside of the show mm-hmm. for rating. so we get a sense of what truman's journey is but then if this we were never outside the show so because you mentioned truman's in every or not truman <laughs> bo is in every every scene so what is the purpose for bo what are we learning for bo here and and how do we relate that to our own journey i think he's sort of reviewing i still go back to the idea of a test and he's just at a point where it's like his last chance to mm-hmm. do something with his life figuratively i don't believe that all of this stuff is real i think that everything is inside of his mind yeah inside of a mind but i don't know the next which we never see right right yeah Yeah. and so i think it's like i wish there was something that i could hold on to where like he Mm. dies in the very beginning and this is some sort of pre- going to wherever you go after you die, seeing your life. Yeah, exactly. Seeing everything that goes through and getting one last chance to either prove or not prove he finds acceptance in losing. I mean, it is, he does not win at the end other than the month you get before you, before you get hit by the jet engine. Yeah. That kind of thing. I think conceptually it's interesting. We talked about the, the, um, the play being a delusion of grandeur but if we step one level even further out and we think that Bo is a character that we actually never meet and that Bo, that the Bo that we experience through this entire journey, including that delusion of grandeur, is the Bo that you would have if you were afraid of everything, if you were riddled by anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that that Bo, that fear, that anxiety goes through birth and is killed at the end. And so the the what was watching the 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 actual consciousness that's created this story is something that we never meet we only see mm. the surreal ideas that get born that die that are killed in extravagant and terrifying ways um and that maybe you're right maybe this this consciousness that created this terrified bow 
um, killed off that fear in an effort to do something different that we never get to experience outside of the story. That is uh, absolutely where I end up with it. That this is I love a, it. Yeah. I like that so much more than what I, I no, before I, we started talking. Right? About. Like I, I actually see this as a weirdly hopeful story because when he is wow. when the boat explodes at the end, to me that look of acceptance means I have given myself and taken the agency over which I can now absolve myself of all of the feelings of pain, regret, hate, anger, rage, confusion, anxiety, all of those things. And we just don't get to see what it looks like when he's in the real world ever. We never get to see that. And so like that closing credits role, which I I also have to add is a gorgeous take on closing credits, um, Mm. is like just over as the theater leaves is like, oh, he is no longer of consequence. His mental state is no longer of consequence. And so the audience leaves because he is on the other side of that water. If we were to go under the water is him waking up, right? It's like Bo in a real world that we never get to meet. And I really love that. Like, I love the idea that this is a movie about conquering something painful. And it's told through this lens of sort of horror-ish. But, you know, it, that's not a complete story. Huh. I like it. What do you think, Tom? You're the, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm go- I don't, I didn't. No, you didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Well, I guess I thought that his moment of acceptance, I didn't see it as a happy moment of acceptance. I saw him as seeing that he, of him giving up. He failed. He was put well. on something to do something. He failed. And then he didn't, because he doesn't just go into the water and everyone leaves. He struggles. He is drowning under there. And Ari Aster makes sure that we hear that for a while. And so, yeah, for a little while. Right. Yeah, for a little while. So, because I don't, that's the pain that comes with acceptance, right? Like, yeah. it's hard. This whole movie is hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. Um, I'm not going to recommend it to any. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. I love what we're doing here. Yeah. And and I love this about all movies. I mean, you brought up Inception. Like, that's one of yeah. my fam- favorite ones to sort of, like, go around the horn about. Um, but I, I can't recommend this movie to anyone unless they want to have this conversation afterwards. I saw a, a review about it that said, um, if you don't like digging into the symbols and digging into the potential that this story has, you will not like this movie. And I love that. I still don't super love the movie, but I love what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my favorite part of this. Um, and I think it's great for that, but I don't know. <laughs> If everybody feels the same way. I don't know what you're talking about. I walked out of the movie and immediately called my mother. (laughs) You have to see this movie. (laughs) I like that we found out that the kid playing teenager Bo was not Photoshopped, that he's a real person. (laughs) He's a real person. You see, he's had to like put out a statement saying, I'm not created by AI. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's crazy because his face is 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 sort of cherubically perfect. Right. Like very AI-ish. A a little bit. Like this is it's right. He is he is what a computer thinks uh, a precious uh, boy face looks like. (laughs) Precious boy face. Um, I I did love uh, I, I did love the uh, I guess two more points. I, I loved the Richard Kind uh, performance because it is it great. is brief, but we get a great 
like phone conversation with him. And the moment I recognized his voice, I was like, oh, God, I hope we see him. And this isn't just stunt casting. And it was nice to see him in the defense. And um, the the daughter uh, taking Bo on the ride and making him do drugs. Yeah, right? She's rough stuff. She's rough. Yeah. So she needs. She was one of the scariest characters yeah. to me. That her is, screaming, yeah. her random screaming as he is in eternal waking from different drug induced and naps and mm-hmm. on the couch. Whew, the hair on my arm stood up every time she screamed. And then she drinks paint. Yeah. That was that was like as much as I found myself laughing at these at this movie. Like these elements of human tragedy were were e- extreme for me to watch like that was the that was hard the other one is that like it you know we're just this it has a, a mass fire gun incident right a shooter at a at this fair and even though we know we're in the head of this fantasy experience that military guy is pretty real and pretty out of his gourd and uh and so that is also a, a challenge to watch it's it's um it, one of the more challenging elements I, I think for me in this in this film given where we are right now any other highlights yeah the daughter before she drinks paint i mean she really she's kind of the opposite of Bo. she's such a foil and i love one of my favorite lines yeah. is what's in this three things <laughs> that's <laughs> right. how you describe drugs but like she is her parents have made a shrine to their long yes, lost son, their- and they are so protective of it that they won't even let someone stay in there. She takes the paint by the horns and like ruins it, writes yeah. his name on it, and then takes herself out of the equation. These are all things that he is completely unable to do. Again, yeah. he's being shown things. He's being shown this, this ways to escape, way to some agency, anything, yeah. and he's unable to do it. The most he does yeah. is like... Even when he runs through a um, a plate glass window, he still has like that protective, the tracker yeah. on him the entire time. On He's never, yeah. ever free. Which He's is, never free. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with Nathan Lane. Uh, he was doing a bit on... And with the late shows and they talked a lot about every other thing that he's doing. And finally, at the end, he was there to promote this movie. And finally, at the end, he says, uh, you know, so tell us about Bo is Afraid and Nathan Lane. <laughs> He can't he can't promote this movie like it's unpromotable. He's like, what 100%. what in this movie would you be willing to say? And all he says is, I think Ari Aster is an incredibly daring filmmaker. <laughs> and this is an in- incredibly daring film. And it's not for everyone. <laughs> and uh, and and I thought that it's, that's the most like promotable line you can get one of your principal stars to say about this movie that like that's very telling. I, I think, I you know, just as a as we get toward the end here, I am. Uh, and I think you uh, both agree. I'm delighted that this movie exists. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I have another full watch in it for me. I, I no, I, I delight that it exists. Do. I'm I excited. clearly like oh, you it do. more than you. I'm so excited to see it again. I'm not going to see it probably in the theater because I want yeah. more control over it. Yes. Uh, but so when it comes out, 100%, I want to see it again. Well, that's what I, I mean. I would do it with Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> right, but I'm not right? going to do it that's myself. Fun. Well, that's what I mean, full watch. <laughs> this is a commitment of a watch in a single sitting. And I, yeah. I think for me, there are so many beats, so many segments of this film that I can go back and, and sink my teeth into. I, I'm not sure that I uh, I, I need to, to engage in 100% of it in, in a single sitting. I got I got what I needed to, and I love that it exists. 
uh, and maybe that will show up in my rating. <laughs> yeah, I want to spend more time yeah. with all of the. There's so much density with all of the things, like just even the choice of the spider, the recluse spider. Right. He's a recluse. Okay. I mean, it's just like he's everything. Right, yeah. yeah, he's the recluse spider in his own apartment, and then we see it. Yeah, I, I okay. So since you bring up the recluse, I uh, the, like this is where the movie isn't perfect for me because, and and maybe this is to to your point too, JJ, that that there are things in these movies that I feel like, or in this movie, because it is such a stream of consciousness, we're in her head, like all the things that I celebrate about it. When you introduce specific plot devices, I kind of want to see a resolution to that plot device. I didn't feel like the spider was satisfactorily like resolved to me. I wanted somebody bit, frankly, who, who you know, it was, it, it was the, the, <laughs> Uh, Chekhov's brown recluse. Um, <laughs> at same thing with Chekhov's pharmaceuticals. Like, was that storyline, the pharmaceutical storyline, satisfactorily like drink, don't drink water or you'll die storyline, satisfactorily resolved? Like, that was my sort of superficial viewer take on a lot of these points that I do think kind of it forced him out of yeah. his yeah. apartment. Well, there, yeah, that, that, and that's what I would say about them is that for Ari Aster, those are comedic bits. Yeah. Right. And like they don't need to pay off because it's it's funny that that exists. And then we're moving on to a different bit. But later on. Oh, but JJ, that is I mean, to to that point, exactly. That's part of Ari Aster's challenge is he starts a thing that he sees as a bit and it goes on so long it becomes a narrative device. Right. right. Like, mm, yes. he ended it as if it was a bit, but it was way too big to just be a bit. I agree. hundred so, percent. That that is um, that is a I, I think that is a an astute challenge of Ari Aster, Aster's films. Um, yeah. So it's no Midsommar, but it's pretty darn good for yours truly. Uh, do we want to do we want to talk about how we're going to rate it? Do you need a second? I think we should. Mm -hmm. need a second. I need a second yeah. to think. While you while you're thinking, let me just tell you this. Um, uh, Letterboxd. You've heard of Letterboxd. It's our very favorite place to uh, review movies and keep our film diary and talk about all the movies we've talked about on all of the various shows. And uh, this one's going to be there. Like it or not, it's going to be there. Uh, and uh, if you want to put your reviews up there, you can, because you're going to go to Letterboxd and you're going to fall in love with it. And you're going to say, oh, my God, I love this so much. But there are ads and I just wish that I could get rid of the ads and support the incredible Kiwi team of uh, folks who make Letterboxd happen. You can do that. Just use the code NEXTREEL at checkout when you upgrade your pro or patron account from the free account, and you'll get 20% off. It works for reviews or renewals, I should say, as uh, well as new accounts. There you go. Uh, okay, here we go. Out of five stars, where do you stand, JJ? Well, so I gave it two and a half. And I think one of the interesting things that I've found and that I'm looking at the way that other people are rating this movie is that it has a fair amount of like five stars and a whole lot of one stars, mm -hmm. like a mess of one stars for like an average of 2.8. But and there's very little stuff in the middle. You're just right? batting the average. It's this kind of thing. Well, it's this kind of thing of this is why I know it's great slash profound art, because people either a lot of people hate it and a few people really mm -hmm. love it. And I think for me, because it's the kind of movie that I want, but I can't find a way to get into, into it, it falls in that middle for me. I want this movie to work. It 
didn't connect with me in the way that it did, this conversation is making me feel better about it. It, it, it even brings me over to the maybe heart side. But for me, it was a two and a half stars because I want this movie out there, but it's a no heart because I didn't enjoy the experience. So I think that's where I sit on it. And I think I could easily, just like you're saying, Pete, six years, I might be on either side of that, yeah. of that fence, but that's where I am today. 2.5 and no heart. All right, Tom. I'm higher. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> that's the guy that just found out how numbers work. Um, three uh, heart and three point seven five, and I no. look forward. What three point seven five? Because three isn't enough. I want it to be over half, but four sounds dangerous. I want to give myself chances to grow to four when I see it again. All right, but this is going to really disappoint you then. I cannot give you 3.75 on Letterbox. It's you only get half stars. There's no quarter stars. Half half. There's 3.5 or four. It's not Star Search. It's this nice. isn't Star Search. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then 3.5, but with an asterisk like that one baseball player <laughs> that I don't know who he is. <laughs> You're talking about Barry Bonds? Oh, right. Maybe. 3.5 with yeah. a heart and a and a asterisk. asterisk. <laughs> okay. I am um, you know, I like this movie more than you guys. I'm gonna go all the way up from Tommy's 3.75 to 4.0 with a heart. Um and it. we'll see. But I like that this film exists. I like it in my memory banks, and uh it helps me think about my own garbage too. So, you know, that's we are, movies are what we bring to them. And this one, uh, I guess I'm a, a throbbing heart. <laughs> In uh, okay, so what do we have coming up? What do we, <laughs> what do we have coming up? We've got uh, next month. Uh, are you, so this one, JJ, is for you as somebody who is, has never seen any of these other movies. We're doing Fast 10. X. <laughs> Can you? Can you tell me? Can you tell me what your plan is for getting ready for this movie? Have you figured it well, out? I have. I've got a different bunch of different ideas, but I think I just am going to spend a lot of time thinking about family. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. As right? good a bit of no? homework as I can possibly imagine. <laughs> I think we should have a competition on the podcast to see how many people you can name that aren't in it. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> because right. this has the largest cast in the entire world. The poster says, see other poster. <laughs> Tom, are you excited about this movie? Are you big? Are you big fast fan? No, but I like it. <laughs> I, I get turned on by other people's excitement. Like, I'll make sure to go see it with like Johnny yes. Goddamn Jackaloni, someone that like this and probably yeah. shell out for like the seats that move. Oh, like an Xbox in. or whatever, yeah. oh, D box nice. or something yeah. like that. Is that, that a that, thing? That, RPX will work for I this. Think. I'll do I it. I would yeah. think so. Go, go big. Yeah. yeah. So I might yeah. as well. And then it's fine. Sure. How do they possibly level up the last movie? I don't know. It's that it was so ridiculous. I think they're <laughs> actually going to colonize Mars with a racetrack. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> That's what's coming next month. We're very excited about it. Uh, you know, uh, thank you so much for hanging out. I I imagine that there are going to be a, a number of people who listen to this show without actually seeing Bo is Afraid. I hope. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, I, this, this we I think the movie's unspoilable. So let me just tell you, we ta talked about a lot of beeps that happened in this movie. The experience is actually seeing the whole thing. So yep. uh, you know, if you're at all provoked by this conversation, go see the whole thing, and you know, pay some money to go see it if you want to support movies that exist like this, uh, because uh, 
that's a good thing to do for movies. Do it for movies. <laughs> do it for movies. That's so dumb. Thank you, everybody. Uh, on behalf of Tommy Handsome oh. and uh, JJ, I'm Pete, and we'll see you yeah. next month right here on the film board. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and the Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Next Reel.